Welcome to Asia New Horizons, where law enforcement practitioners and academics get together to share knowledge and ideas to shape the future of crime analysis. Hi Paige, nice to see you again. My name is Tanya Conway-Grimm. I am here together with Charlie Hedges to talk about the Missing Persons Information Hub. My role in that is that I have been missing in the past. And when Charlie and I met some years ago at the Missing Persons Conference, you know, it was one of Charlie's ideas and it has developed over the years. I also work as a coach supporting neurodiversity in the workplace. I mentor doctors on the clinical leadership program and I develop and facilitate training, including around neurodiversity and missing persons. Charlie, over to you. Hi, Charlie Hedges. Um, nice to be part of this today. That's a really good opportunity to talk to people, which I, I do a lot around the subject. I started life in the police force in Thames Valley Police and about midway through my career, about 26 years ago, I became involved in a case of a, a young man who went missing. It was a catastrophe, really, the way it was dealt with. Originally, it was passed to me. It just everything about it went wrong. So I saw there was a need to try and improve the way that we res- respond to missing persons cases and investigate them. I've been on that path ever since. So I went from local policing because of my efforts. I was involved in national policing, writing national guidance, eventually went to um, part of the new missing persons unit, um, which later became part of the National Crime Agency. I was at CEOP and, and leading on all the issues around missing. And then got tired of working for organisations that set up my own about six or eight years ago and I got my own consultancy business and I constantly look to see issues and challenges around missing because it's such an important subject um, as Tanya said we met a few years ago at a, a conference in Scotland I'd had this idea that you know, we go to this con- these conferences every couple of years and we hear about great research that's done um, and then we hear nothing ever again for two years and it's really hard to find out what's going on, it's, it's not really connected up. so that started me thinking and it also so highlighted to me that it's so difficult for people who are outside of the official organisations and even I when I've been around this for all these years I still find it difficult to find the right resources and the right people to talk to them so I thought how hard is that for families and people who, who are thinking about going missing or gone missing people who want to, to look in and some of the jargon is difficult as well so it gave me the idea that we should have um, some sort of hub to connect everyone together uh, and that's where uh, we started the idea and I talked to Tanya about this on the train on the way back from the conference about developing uh, this a website that would connect everything together. There's a lot of resource out there and we don't provide a direct res- resource. So what I wanted to do is build a signpost to where people can find out about research, where professionals can find out about other professionals, about good practice. Uh, there's a library of resources and how families can look inside and those with a lived experience of missing can look inside uh, the business and try and understand it and try to get a better leverage towards what they can do to help themselves and help other people and what are the complexities around it that's taken us through 26 years condensed into a fairly short few minutes (laughs) that's the journey I mean I'm more than happy to listen to a lot you talk for a lot longer but what an initiative and quite a big one actually because it's so difficult to break out from these organizations and start your own and good for you and I think what an amazing partner you have we spoke to Henry before in the past and our listeners loved you and what you were talking about before so what a great team you have under you and you spoke about some of the challenges and I actually wanted to tap on this a little bit more Charlie for you and also Tanya for you what were the gaps you thought, you know what, this really needs filling? I don't agree with how these investigations start, finish, and the, the stuff in between. What was the light bulb moment you thought, this is it, 
I'm doing my own thing now. I think it started with that case I dealt with all those years ago. And if you could work through a case and identify where things could fail, it failed every particular spot. It wasn't responded to properly. He was a 19-year-old who had gone to a to a rave and turned up at home. The police didn't believe his mum about when she wanted to report it missing. When the basic investigations were done, the searches that I put in place were done badly and then found that, you know, some of the systems were flawed. The investigation wasn't, there was no support. The family left completely out on a limb with no support and, and, I was, and I was trying to juggle all these things on my own and every time I tasked out for something they all fell apart so when I went and analysed the case afterwards and, and looked through what had gone on it was very you take the whole life cycle of, of a missing person case and where the problems were and um, that started me on the road and I wrote some reports about it until my area commander said when I complained that nothing had been done they said Charlie if you want to make it make change something, you've got to get off your backside. He didn't actually say that. He said, get off your backside and do something about it. So that enabled we started doing stuff. I was worked through that what was then the Home Office Police Research Award scheme, uh, which funded me to do some some research, which is a really strange world I've never entered before. Eventually published a booklet, Missing You Already, a guide to the investigation of missing persons in the 2000, that was. And that then formed the basis for uh, the future, the following. ACPO guidance, which we wrote, and, and, and all the guidance around how to investigate and how to manage the case, how to work families, and how to make sure that the case is dealt with coherently. And the other thing in those days, we didn't really like talking to those funny social workers and academics, and we learned very quickly that there was a, a lot of value that could be added to that. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think? Well, what, I mean, we spoke about both personal conversations we've had with each other. We used to catch up weekly and we used to speak about, we just used to speak, didn't we, openly about problems and challenges that we face and things that we think, you know, we'd like to change that. But it's, there's constraints. What do you feel? Do you agree with Charlie? Are there more? Are there, what do you think? Well, I, I do agree with Charlie because there's a lot of bad practice, a lot of not enough thought put into things. And I remember one episode when I went missing, This was in the days before the internet, and I used to go to libraries to research things. So I went to the big central library where I lived to do research about going missing, running away, to see, you know, was it legal to do so? Because I didn't know whether I'd be in trouble. And there was no information at all. So I took my chances and took off. And of course, that sparked by the police response at the time, which, you know, was very uncomfortable for me. And I think... In England, a lot of the time it's about, oh, repeat missing people, be gone again. Uh, some officers really do care. They just haven't got the resources to help and support people. Things like return interviews, which are really crucial, they're not really done properly. And to really focus as well on making it easy for a missing person to come back. And again, for families, there is not that much appropriate guidance uh, out there that actually will support a lot of people also don't consider the impact of social media sometimes social media is used to try and find a missing person actually that leaves a digital footprint that is never going to go away and that will follow that person forever so if they ran away when they were 17 or went missing when they were 17 and then 10 years later they go for a job a prospective employer will be able to find that trail so just a a place where you can go for information that will actually help you is, I believe, really crucial. Like Charlie said, that ability to find the all in one place, because it's so hard. If you're thinking, oh, I wonder if, and it's actually, you spend hours trying to find something. And this was so great. It's the group of 
people we collaborated with were all experts in their field and that made it so rewarding to work together. Yeah, I agree with Charlie. Yeah, these conversations happen, of course, internally, but on the outside, this deep level of knowledge that we're discussing today from both of you, you only really see with those that have our professors, our doctors in these fields that take time to really focus on subjects like this and really understand the the underlining issues that have always been there and how we could perhaps, you know, work at them and change and shift those practices that we've seen. So for those individuals that are listening to this, I'm actually on the website now, we will put the link at the bottom. You have uh, explanation of terms, library and research, organisations, what is the missing persons information hub and contact us. So let's just state clearly, who can use this website? Who can log on? Who would it benefit? It's intended for anyone who has any connection, however remote, with missing, whether they be um, someone who's thinking about going missing, someone who's already missing, someone who's connected with them and is just suffering that dreadful, ambiguous loss of not knowing what's going on. It can be for academics who are looking for new research subjects or wanting to see what research there is. We're still building the library there. Um, There's there's quite a lot of documents on there already and we need to continue to do that. It can be for professionals who, you know, I will use it because there are sometimes, I think, I've been doing this for, I still don't know where X, Y or Z is. So, you know, this is the place to go and make sure it's there. And but also to go and look for it and, and try and find out what's going on. So I think we've, we've touched on so many things already during this conversation, which demonstrate the complexity of the issue. It's so easily dismissed. To, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just another missing person or in that jargon. It's just another misper. And it doesn't seem to be that important. Oh, they'll come back. They'll be back shortly. The majority do come back quickly. There are so many other things. I mean, I'm not into police bashing. Uh, um, we said it's, you know, it's not, they're not responded to particularly well. And sometimes that's because it's such a big resource issue. Um, there are so many things going on. So one of my under the missions was to develop a risk assessment process to try and make an assessment. When the call comes in, how urgent is it? I, within the family of other missing persons or against the other cases that are going on. So it's a busy Friday night. There's a lot going on. There's a fight. There's a road traffic accident. There are drunks down the street and someone rings in with a missing person. How do the police understand where that fits into the hierarchy of, of response? So the risk assessment module, it works around that. And then actually understanding risk. If you look at the official data, and this stuff this really makes me cross, and some of the research that's been done just looking at the cases that are on computers tells us that the risk of harm is it's probably only about less than 1% of people actually suffer any harm. Absolute nonsense. There's a recent, recent research come out by missing people, which helps to debunk that, which is great. But I come from the standpoint that everyone who goes missing is harmed. Because you don't go missing without a reason. Um, So therefore, there must be some harm associated with that event. Also, recognise that missing is an indicator. It's telling us that something that's going on in someone's life. Um, Tanya articulates very well in in her cases, but it also, we can identify serious crime. Child sex exploitation, county lines, both of those became to notice through intelligence work on missing persons cases. Derbyshire Police, when we were working with charities up there, police didn't want to know. We managed to leverage the information to the local force. They eventually picked it up and suddenly, suddenly thought, oh, there's this thing called child exploitation going on. We need to investigate it. No one ever thought about it before. And the same with County Nines. That came to light through work we did around missing children going missing and, and travelling around and trying to analyse, you know, what's going on? Why are they doing that? 
and suddenly we could see that, that county lines was a thing and now you know everyone knows about it but they would came through missing so we mustn't dismiss it we must recognize those issues and again with the hub is trying to put people in touch with the right things and to point to other places where they can find out more about mm. those to understand them better absolutely and also to ask questions and get them thinking about these and tell you i thought i saw your hand up do you want to you were like me go on Let's yeah have to say. Go yeah for it. Okay. yeah like charlie said there's research that shows that very little harm comes to missing persons that is utter rubbish because a lot of missing persons are not even reported so it may be people who are being trafficked who are being exploited who are kept in servitude you know you won't hear about those cases there's also people who run away and I remember one day uh, one of my children came home with a friend and oh can so-and-so stay over yes of course darling and after four nights my alarm bells like hang on what about his mum and it turned out he'd run away but his mother had not reported him. And we're talking 14 years old children, which was quite interesting to realise that the mother hadn't considered reporting her child missing after. So these things do happen. And, you know, that particular boy was lucky because he was in my care, so he was absolutely fine. Other kids are not that lucky. Like Charlie said, county lines and child exploitation, huge harm factors. But also, this, you don't go missing for a laugh. Because it's not a laugh. It's scary. It's horrible. And particularly if you have nowhere to go to, where do you sleep? And how vulnerable are you at that point? And how easy is it to report back? Because when you come back, if you come back, there'll be a welfare check, where which is a cursory thing. There's nothing in depth going on. Mm. So even if something horrendous has happened to you, you might not feel safe. You might not have the words. You may not be asked the right questions in order to be able to disclose something. So I think any research that says, oh, there is no harm or very little risk of harm, I don't take very seriously, honestly. And when you think about any, there's most murder inquiries that are not based in a house normally start with a missing person inquiry. Somebody goes missing and then it turns out they've been murdered, not because they went missing, but they went missing to be murdered, if you like. So that is actually a huge risk factor. But like Charlie says, it's really hard to work out, you know, what is the risk in any given case and how do you establish that? And Charlie's done absolutely brilliant work on that over the years. And I think the MPIH is really about putting all this information in one place. It's a one-stop shop where you can just look up things and understand terms that, the police may be using just one place where it's all collated yeah no it's great I've got it on my screen now and it it is in one place and you've actually put at the bottom who your organizations you're sponsored by contact us is in big writing so it's very accessible I've actually always wanted to ask this question why is it when someone goes missing correct me if I'm wrong is it 24 hours you have to wait you you can report them is it 48 nothing about that again we've started to try to explain those myths if you look at and there's a section there called explanation of terms it's the first step in the road of of the next piece of work we need to do which is writing a family or a a lay person's guide to missing 
And there is still this thing about 24 hours or 48 hours and you can't, used to be really bad old days, what used to happen. But, you know, there's so much is lost. So, no, that doesn't apply. Any of the connections that I link to with missing people, with the National Crime Agency Missing Persons Unit, they absolutely agree. 24 hours is a myth. It doesn't exist anymore. And if someone goes missing and you're sufficiently concerned about them, you must make contact with the police quickly because when we talk about in major crime world we talk about the golden hour which is about that initial point when you can get there and the, the evidence is still hanging in the air and there's people about and the witnesses haven't gone too far and also with missing persons they haven't traveled too far because the search areas get bigger and bigger the more the time goes on so really important that that's captured and again with that Going back to that case I talked about, a young man who went missing, we did eventually recover his, his body from the bottom of a lake that was nearby. It wasn't that hard. It was 10 days afterwards when we got him back, simply because the right things weren't done. We couldn't have, we would never have saved his life because he had died before he was reported to the police. Eventually, a major investigation team working on it, doing an investigation, we found incredible things there that pointed towards a suspicious outcome. Because it hadn't been done properly in the first place and things had been not recorded in this. You know, we were never able to finally resolve the case. Although we did arrest someone on suspicion of murder, we never were able to to pursue it conclusion. So that's really, you know, that 24 hours, I'm glad you asked that because that absolutely dispelled that. that It didn't exist. So within that explanation terms, we've started a list of things about that. You know, what do these things mean? Trying to demystify it. And I can guarantee that you went to report someone missing, whether it would be you were talking to the police or other agencies, other professionals involved, there would be some jargon involved. You need to be, you know, we're all guilty of it in professions. We talk in acronyms and jargon. So we need to be able to put some simple explanations to that. So it's the starter for 10. That's the next job. I'm supposed to be retired, but hell, we've got to have things, something to keep me occupied. So oh. <laughs> mischief. So, we can't lose people like you. Like, you know, <laughs> stay in this field, keep the conversation going. And, I'm actually, I'm happy I asked that question because I've actually clicked on the explanation of terms and you have stated Amber Alert, Child Rescue Alert, Media, Forensic Samples and DNA. There's so much on here, everyone that's listening, that you can go on. What you're doing is you're enabling the audience, the communities, citizens of the United Kingdom to be proactive. And if there's something that's not sitting right with that person, there is a place to go on this website where you can check and you can check how you're feeling, whether it's right, uh, because we do doubt ourselves, even in the profession, you doubt yourself. So, yeah, this website is great. And I'm excited for everyone that's listening to this to just take time and go through each each page and become familiar with it and reach out to you both if they have any questions. I have a question. This is going to be a big question. Uh, and I tend to ask you it to individuals that have their own organisations and are, are being very proactive in this field. Where do you see, where do you both see yourself in regards to missing persons and what you're doing in this community? And where do you see this website going? Is it just for our audience here in the UK or is it for everyone? Do you want to do that? Should I pick that one up and then pick up some feedback from you, Tanya? Yeah. Okay. Where, where am I going? I keep on retiring from things. I retired from the police, then I re- retired from the National Crime Agency, and I retired from my sort of step back from my consultancy business. But it won't let me go. It keeps on grabbing hold of me, and things keep on happening. And I, I'm so passionate about this, and I love it so much. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I mean, I'm, I've got a couple of years left in me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's still lots of ideas coming on, bubbling to the surface. And so, yeah. I mean, I'll just keep on ticking away and doing stuff. Where does the website go? We've launched it. At the moment, the one thing that came out of the launch was people said, 
This should be on every single website or intranet that anyone who could have a possible connection of to missing will see it. And that's what, what I'm engaged in. I'm savaging all of my um, social media contacts. I'm trying to get it out there and looking at ways of people getting people to help me to get it onto different websites. It needs to be with on social services, it needs to be in education, it needs to be in policing, it needs to be in particularly for people with dementia and other health issues in the broadest possible sense. And that's what's the next push. So the other bit is that the family's guidance booklet. Um, interesting question about international. Um, majority of what's there interprets into any country in the world. I mean, I work internationally anyway and have a good understanding of what happens in, in different countries. And what's there is transferable. Um, obviously, there will be local nuances. That is the big question in my mind is, do we open up into a true international site and you know, how far and why do we go? What other detail do we need to put into? And that's an unanswered question. So if people have views on that, and uh, this is purely voluntary and unfunded, there's no, this is not part of an official organisation. We're doing it because we're passionate about it. I've got great people like Tanya and people from the um, National Police Chiefs Council, universities and what have you, helping. But anyone who wants to get involved and help is always great. We need to keep on researching and developing stuff. We need to keep it fresh. We need to be getting it out onto those other websites. I thought, great, it's launched. Oh, what a relief. And then the work started. Ooh, absolutely. <laughs> it's got to live. It's got to be keep refreshed. And that's the challenge. You know, if, if anyone's listening and thinks, I'd really like to be involved in that, then give me a shout. You know, the contact details are going to be out there. Let's see what we can have. I've, I've had a couple of inquiries from Australia and Africa um, about yep. involvement. Uh, let's see what we can do. Yeah, interesting. And thank you, yeah. Charlie, I'm always happy to do any international outreach. I'll, I'll <laughs> sacrifice myself there. <laughs> but I remember at the very beginning, we actually talked about whether to keep national or go international at the yeah. time. So this discussion has been going on for a long time. Where I see myself, I'll probably in a few years' time, there's no way Charlie's going to go anywhere, Lini. So <laughs> we'll continue working together, I'm sure, and I look forward to that. Yeah. I look forward to our next projects we're doing around the Families Book Guide as well. We are involved with other charities like Missing People and Locate International as well, so that we'll sure we'll continue working together into the future. And I look forward to that because Charlie is a great person to work with. Yeah. He is so hugely knowledgeable. <laughs> you can, I can Real feel pleasure. it. I can feel it through the screen. I mean, both of you, I spoke to yourself before telling you about, about, you know, the topic we were talking about before in the past on the podcast and Charlie with yourself, you were, you were saying stuff because I recognised your name. And I think I recognised it when I was actually at the University of Portsmouth when I was doing my undergrad many years ago. But I just kept, and when you were talking, you were saying, you know, I've, I've advised these people and this is what I've done. I was thinking, right, alarm bells because our profession is it's so big, but most of what we do is so translatable in different sectors you could pull one thing and it will work mm. um and yeah the work you're doing is is phenomenal and thank you on behalf of everyone that's probably listening thinking yes we need more of this you know work that you're doing off your own back and just giving people free knowledge and understanding both of you you know and what you've done throughout your career is amazing and we can't thank people like you enough because i don't see many other people within the profession doing what you're doing so it's amazing you probably had the connection because I've been guest lecturer at Portsmouth for a number of years talking about missing persons and trafficking and various things. So that's probably where that 
that came from. And that's another great way of, of influencing young people and well, and mature people who are studying and getting the word out there. So yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to, to, to do that. I enjoyed my lecturing sessions and opening people's eyes to the whole world. And there's so much that can be involved around that. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it's already international anyway. I, I just feel amazed. It's been an incredible journey for me. I was just, you know, a fairly sort of okay cop doing an okay job and suddenly missing changed my life uh, and gave me, led me into research. It's taken me all over the world. I still work with Umbrella Europe, where they offered an opportunity when I, I was looking to leave official officialdom. And Frank, who's the founder and owner of it, he said, you know, if you want to leave, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you some money to come and do some work for us. So that was great. And I had a similar conversation with the charity Railway Children, and they took me on for a project as well. And so that started me off on that independent path. And I went to Frank and I said, there are two things that we need to do. One is we better need to better connect police experts in missing across Europe, or in fact, across the world. Because when I was advising on international cases at the, the NCA and working on international investigations, there are processes, bureaucratic processes you have to go through to connect. Isn't it great if you can phone a friend in another country and talk about a case and how it's going to progress? And the other one was around risk. So this, in the last 12 months, the network we started is now officially recognised by the EU. Our website sits on the Europol platform completely outside of their normal remit because it normally has to be about serious crime in two different countries and they recognise what we were talking about with missing was applicable. So they host our professionals' website and every European country is part of that network and it's officially recognised, never been done by an NGO before. So that's that's fabulous and we're off to Slovenia at the end, uh, later this year to have our annual conference. And we also looked at risk triage. Frank helped the development of that. We had it in the UK, but what was missing was the training. So we've developed the training and we've now been linked into CEPOL, which is the European Police Training Agency, and we're delivering webinars and training across Europe and, you know, go to other countries as well. So it's been a phenomenal journey for me. And I look back and who is this guy? What's going on? The other thing that I feel really passionate about is if you've got the enthusiasm and you recognise there's an awful lot you can do, because there's nothing special about me. I'm just an ordinary person who saw something and wanted to make a difference. And, you know, it sort of took, it dragged me along by the, by the coattails and take me to all sorts of places. So No, it's, it's amazing. I see, I can see why Tony you are working with with Charlie because you are both so humble about what you do and you have to be humble right you do you have to be humble but when you do something this great and the work that you've both done in the past you must sit there and think you know what I'm pretty cool the work that I've done has been pretty amazing and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back I mean Tony we spoke about this before about you know my work your work and we have these conversations about that confidence uh, in this field which it's hard to show isn't it because you don't want to boast but something like this I'd be boasting about it because it's amazing it's impactful and it's you are helping so many people and you don't even realize because with your website I don't know if you have the statistics of how many people actually look on it but if you did I I wonder how many in a day you'd get people viewing at this after this podcast comes out and even before that to help those individuals that need support yes we do monitor the data on that and we do you know and this sort of thing does boost the, the yeah. number of people who visit so but it's a you know the continuing slog of keeping it out there because you can see it dribbles away to, yeah. to fewer numbers but there's every day there's people looking at it and they're on there so it's viral because it's not uh, lovely to, that it was but it's you know it's getting out there and we've got that slog to keep on telling people that's why it's, yeah. I, I didn't even have to give a second thought about the opportunity to be part of this podcast and to spread the word as well as possible. Well, we're always here, and Tanya, I mean, 
what's your final words you want to say i mean we're always here to help you spread the word you know that we are your friends uh asia are your friends and we will definitely put it on our social media platform and even go further if there's anything you need us to promote and put out please send it our way but what are your final words on this website and this hub i think it is really important and it's the culmination of you know years and years of really hard work and and Charlie's got decades and decades of experience in the field. So I do think it's a really precious resource as a result. And it's very user-friendly. We worked very hard, make it really intuitive and easy to use. And I think, you know, that's really the message. Just go and have a look, check it out, find information, regardless of whether you're a professional, a search, uh, an academic family of somebody, or thinking about going missing yourself, you'll find something on there that will help and support you. And that, to me, it's brilliant. It's all in one place. And I wish a resource like that was available for other topics as well. Charlie, you yes, Charlie. No. <laughs> have no. you got any space for maybe intelligence or investigations that you want to have websites on? <laughs> We'd appreciate it. <laughs> no, I think that's a great way to end. And whoever is listening to this, please share it. Talk to your friends, your family. Pass on these links that we're providing you with here at ASIA, talking to these wonderful people about what they're doing, you know, share them, spread the message and get talking, uh, which I think is one of the UK's messages actually during COVID, you know, mental health, get talking about it. So Charlie, thank you very much for joining us uh, at ASIA and I hope it all goes well for you. I'm sure it will. And Tanya, thank you very much for reaching out to us again. You are more than welcome to both come back and let us know how it's going and what else you're going to get up to because I'm sure... Uh, we're going to see more of both of you. <laughs> so thank you very much. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having us, Paige. Lovely to yeah. see you as always. Thank you.